Welcome to Life, L-I-F-E, Luxury and Full Effect. I'm David Frangioni. I'm here with Justin Lee. And this is the show where we interview the people operating at the top of the luxury market. From entertainment, real estate, celebrity industries, and everything in between. Together, we'll hear their life stories and how they got to where they are today. Hello, everybody. I'm David Frangioni. I'm here with my partner, Justin Lee, on Life, L-I-F-E, Luxury and Full Effect. How's it going there, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Everything's great. Great coast to coast here, Miami Beach to uh, Beverly Hills. Everyone, we're so excited because today, live from Miami, we have a very dear friend of mine and an icon in the city of Miami and throughout the world, a philanthropist, a leader, a father, and an amazing person, Dwayne Wade Sr. D. Wade Sr., welcome to life. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Uh, So good to have you. So let's jump in. Did you grow up in Chicago, right? Yeah, Chicago. Okay. And so... Tell us the early years of raising your son. Of course, D. Wade's one of the most iconic basketball players in history, just retired last year from the Miami Heat, and raising a family overall because you have other children besides Mm -hmm. Dwayne, of course. And what were the early years like? What what did it look like guiding and mentoring and kind of growing up? Because I don't think it was easy for you in Chicago, right? No, no, not at first. Chicago is a very difficult city. We coming up through Chicago, we were poor on the south side. And just to get a chance to raise my son because his mother was going through some extent of problems, hurdles that she had to get over. And to get my son and to raise him to be the man he's become has been incredible. Like you said, we had a hard time in Chicago coming up, but it's smoother now. It was hard, but you know what? It was fair. It was a learning process. And I think getting my child to come live with me was something that I needed that matured me and helped me grow because there was a lot of things going on, like gang activity, and I didn't want to be in a gang, so I was running. So that's how I actually started uh, my organization. It was uh, Us for Kids and Kids for Us way back in the day. And it was started because of that reason, because of the the running from the gangs and stuff like that. Because you saw it firsthand. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. The, I used the, to jump out of, they used to be outside of the school waiting on me, bro. And I used to have to jump out of the windows, run through the engineer's room just to escape, you know, trying to be recruited in the gangs and stuff. And I figured, like, I didn't want my children to grow up like that. And I didn't want other people's children to really grow up like that. So I started that organization to bring father and children back together. How old is Dwayne at this point when he you started? He actually was just born when I started. It was 1982. Wow. Yeah. So you started it that long ago. So yeah. this is still just fighting through the streets of Chicago, really. And then you do something about it then. Yeah. Before opportunity would start to be introduced as Dwayne's career takes off. Right. This is way before that. Way before. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and then what was your wow. first steps in starting the organization? What was the process? Like, how did you say, OK, I want to start this and what did it look like? Basically, it started out with me just taking all the neighborhood kids and taking them to the basketball court and playing in tournaments because we didn't have AAU back then. So it was just basically like getting in the station wagon because I had a little burgundy station wagon. I would pile everybody in the station wagon. We would go and play against each other in tournaments. It started like that, and then it started from that to a mentoring program where I started mentoring the youth about what was going on in the streets and, and what we had to do to avoid it. Pretty much. Well, that's incredible when you think about it. It's just that's so incredible. And you have your own family starting now. 
you're trying to help all the kids, not yeah, just your own. So then take us through the 80s and into the 90s. You're raising Dwayne and you're, uh, how many children total? Well, in the process, I had a hand in raising 12. How it is when, when you're young, we're chasing different type of women. And so they have children. Some of them have children. And you have to have a hand in raising their children. So I ended up uh, raising 12 children along the way. But I only have three biological. And Dwayne is the only son. Oh, wow. Your only son. Amazing. Yeah, he's wow. the only. And when do you realize that he has a love for sports and basketball? Well, I kind of pushed it in them days because, like, coming up, I didn't play basketball to start out. I played seven different sports, and baseball was my sport. Ah. When I came back from the Army, everybody was playing basketball, and this was in the 80s. Dwayne was a little kid, and he was sitting on the side watching. This is what I wanted him to do. This is what I wanted the other boys in the family to do once they got to a certain age. So it started around about when Dwayne was, like, nine years old. We started him to play basketball, and he wanted to play football. But we gave him a chance at it. He had kind of hard one time, and he was like, Pops, I'm going to the gym. That's where I'm going to stay. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, football, it's not subtle in how it sends you messages. That's for sure. But basketball is not easy either. So then you mentored him through kind of multiple things at once because, number one, you're trying to keep him good in school and off the streets. Right. And then in addition to that, he's got to develop – the sport, you right. know, those are all really, it's almost three commitments at the same time. And this is a very young man. And you have your other children. You got to keep everybody together. I mean, you know, where did the leadership come from? Oh, well, I was in the military. And so I came back with that, like, militant type of person personality. Just and, lead and take charge. Yeah, just lead and take charge. And then I didn't want to see you know, nothing happen to my children because you can go around the corner and it's a different gang on each block. And so I set the rules, no hats, no earrings, no tattoos, and stay in the backyard. That was my rules right there. So if I came home and the kids had got home from school and they wasn't in the backyard, this is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. So it started like that. Wow. And And then when your son, because there's, as you're telling the story, there's a tiny parallel here. (laughs) My son is nine and he is heavily into basketball now. And coincidentally enough, the team that he's on right now is called the Heat (laughs) in Beverly Hills. (laughs) The Beverly Hills Heat. (laughs) Hey, it's a start. A little different, but yeah. A little tiny bit different, but... But let me ask you, so what did it look like in the beginning when you wanted to push him into basketball and you knew that that was going to be a great foundation for him? What did the daily activity look like? Was he practicing every day? He was on a league. He was like, how does it work? All right. So uh, we started out by taking them. Of course, they was in the backyard first. And then we started taking them on Fridays when we got off of work. We would take them to this school called Whitney Young, and we would play outside. So all the kids would come and play against us or play with us. And they grew to finally beat us and didn't want to play with us again. So went from the backyard to high school, Whitney Young. They matured on the court, and they got the nerve to say, I don't want to play with Dad no more. But they always still had to play with me because they're not old enough yet to lead the backyard still. Of course. And Is there I, a basketball hoop in the backyard? Yes, I made like a state-of-the-art basketball hoop <laughs> on top of the garage. Oh, cool. And the garage and the backyard wasn't that big. It was like the fence is about right where we at in here. The fence yeah. is there. Yeah, I mean, it's like six it's or eight feet. It's a little grass area over yeah. here. Okay. And then it's the garage, and it's on top of the garage. So 
We're knocking them in the grass. We're knocking them over the fence. Nice. Wow. We're knocking them through the garage. <laughs> but if you can play in those conditions, then that's probably the best foundation. Yeah. It was like we wanted them to be so good at it that we would take the snow off the ground, you know, shovel the snow off wow. and make them play. And they'd be out there playing till 1, 2 in the morning. And oh they'd put God. a little lamp out there so they could see just a little lamp on the ground. They'll plug it in from in the house to, and they sit it outside and it's a little lamp so they could see and they would play basketball all night. If it rained, we still was on the court. Wow. And it just goes to show, it really just goes to show how important it is to fill a child up with an activity that they can be a part of. It is the most important thing. Look at what you did. You were able to dodge the gangs, dodge all the things that they potentially could have gotten into because of this. I mean, it's such an important thing for people to hear. Yeah, you know? no doubt. And then we had a neighbor that would call the police on her because her window was right next to the gate. She was in the next yard over. And we was right at her bedroom window playing, and we would play so late, so she'd call the police every day on us. And, um, you know, the police would come and tell us we had to stop. When they would leave, we would go back out. (laughs) And we'd start shooting again. We spent a lot of days out there missing meals, dinners and stuff, because they out there and they're not doing what I wanted them to do. They have to stay out. You can't go in until you complete what I want you to do. I want you to get it. I want you to hone your skills. You got to be better than everybody else. And, wow. and mostly better than me. And if you're not better than me, you're not going to beat anybody else. That's how I felt about it. And what age is this now? What range? So they're about 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that age. Then I became like their coach after that. So in grade school, now they're in fourth grade, fifth grade, I'm their coach. In grade school, I'm their fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, all the way and through. And they're eighth. taking it seriously at that age. So yeah, you're starting real to, serious. So they're starting and you're starting to really see this is the future. Yeah, because it doesn't what even happened, sound like could be the future. This sounds like you're declaring this is the future. Yeah, we had a dream. It was actually four boys in the house. Let me see, Kadamas, Demetrius, Dwayne, and Donnell. Yeah, so it's four boys in the house, and we want all of them to go to the NBA. Demetrius was the best at the time. He's the oldest brother. Even though he was the stepbrother, he was the oldest. And he was the best. He set all kinds of records at Rich's High School, the same school that Dwayne went to. But coming up, fourth through eighth grade, we played in the Bulls tournaments. We played suburban against city. Before we hit the suburbs, because we moved to Robbins, we were playing city against suburb, and we was the city. We moved to Robbins, and we became suburb against city. We still winning championships in the Bulls stadium. Then we got beat real bad one time, and I quit going to the stadium. But that's another story. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so now through high school, so, so you uh, said Demetrius at the time was the so best. So Demetrius was the best. And so now they're out of grade school because I'm their coach fourth through eighth grade. Right. So out of middle school, now they're into high school. Yeah, they're in high school. And Demetrius is, is soaring in high school. He goes off to college, and he was at the University of St. Louis. His girlfriend at the time— came to visit him. It was the dead of the winter. And on the way back, she had a bad accident. Demetrius left to be with her. When he came back there, he didn't have a scholarship anymore. And that's probably why Demetrius didn't make it, because at that time he lost his scholarship. So everything changed for Demetrius after that. Oh, wow. And I still remember before he went to college, when he graduated from high school, his coach Fitzgerald we were at the uh, actual ceremony where they was giving him awards, and Fitzgerald was crying. 
And I'm looking at him like, why are you crying? And I goes to ask him why he's crying. And he was like, because he don't think he's going to have another player like Demetrius. I was wow. like, well, you got Dwayne coming behind him. <laughs> yep. What do you think? He was like, I just don't think it's going to be another Demetrius. I was like, okay, let's see. And so Demetrius, <laughs> what uh, Dwayne it, turned out to be better. Well, But Demetrius still holds a, a lot of the records at, the at school. Rich's high school. So yeah. what advice did you have for Demetrius when – He's going through this with his girlfriend, and you're watching everything kind of collapse, quite frankly, right? I mean, that has to be heartbreaking. Well, at that time, by him being in college, he's on his own now. And I always told him, when you get out of my house, you can do what you want. Okay. And so I was kind of letting him be the man now, and uh, And he had to make his own decisions. And he did. And he made those decisions. So I don't get into people's personal business, whether it's my kids or not. Like my son, I don't even get into his business. Anything that happens with him personally— Somebody asked me something personal, you got to ask him. It's his life. I don't right. know nothing about that. Right. Yeah. So once they left the house, if they asked for your guidance, you were always there. But yeah. if they didn't, you didn't offer it. No, I, I okay. mean. And that's a philosophy, and I respect that. They had to grow up. They had to mature. They had to take on their own personalities. Uh, they were so used to taking mine and, and using it. So now they have the chance to take on their own personality. They can be the person they want to be. And I want to see, are you going to be better than me anyway? So I'm going to let you do you. And then Dwayne graduates, goes to college. Yeah. Marquette, right? I'm going to roll it back a little bit on Dwayne because Dwayne was a player that he was very quiet, very shy, but he had to do everything I said because he was my only son too, my only biological son. And he sat on the bench a lot because he he would get in the game and he would do the opposite of what I wanted him to do. So a lot of that time while he was playing, he kind of sat on the bench. But he went to this tournament, I believe it was in North Carolina, and he came off the bench, and he never hit that bench again. He just soared. So by junior, his junior year, he's real. He's playing like I'm a baller now. You start to see him developing as a ball player around his junior year. I think other people say early, but that's not the truth. Junior now, year in high school. Yeah, his junior yeah. year. He's now being recruited by a lot of – well, he's actually was being recruited by DePaul. But DePaul wanted this other kid that was considered the best in Illinois at the time. He had already had a shoe contract in eighth grade, this kid. He had a shoe contract in eighth grade. Do we know his name? I can't remember. So he didn't never became famous. It's been too long. He never became famous. Well, he went to DePaul and he caught a rape case or something like that. So he got kicked out of DePaul. So he never got to be famous. But he was the kid that was ahead of Dwayne that they wanted. So they stopped coming out to Dwayne once they got that kid. And that gave, that opened the door for Marquette to come in, and they sealed the deal with Marquette, uh, with Dwayne. But once again, I let Dwayne make his own choice. And do you find so interesting to hear this? Because I always say it's obviously talent. you got to have the talent to play and do the whole thing. But it also comes along. There's another mentality that comes along with that specific person that gets them to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've seen that so many times. Right. And for some reason, there was the X factor besides him being such a talented player that allowed your son to go to where he went. Right. Do you agree with that? Can you see that at a young age? Or, you know, because you're saying he was shy and he was on the bench at first, then he kind of found himself. But I do think that there's an X factor that somebody gets the opportunity and you just never know what it is until you you kind of start to see it flourish. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what happened with him. So it took him a while. but And then it went from going to Marquette and redshirting the first year which we talked about it, and I told him, you know what? 
you have to do what you have to do. It's only one year. You get to practice, but you don't get to go, you know, on the road. So I think that made him more determined to be a better ball player because mm-hmm. he had to sit out there. And he donned every jersey of all the top players in college at the time, and he wanted to play defense against all the top players. So I think that red shirt year turned him into the BC years that we know him to be today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm it saying? It clicked all of a sudden. Yeah. Whatever it is. You see it. I mean, it's amazing because my own story with watching my son, who's been really into basketball for a bit now, for like a minute, mm-hmm. but you see a bunch of games, and then we actually had a game yesterday, and then all of a sudden something clicks, and you're like, oh, wow, where was that two weeks ago? It just sometimes clicks for them, and you see it in motion. I think one of the things that me coaching for 42 years, what I look for, is it every night that he come out on the floor and it clicks, or is it just sometimes? Yes. If they don't hone their skills, if they don't want to get better than the next person, they're good at being who they are for the moment, then that's where they start losing the love of the game, really. And they don't know they're losing it, but yeah. they're losing it because they're set with that, I'm okay. They're I'm comfortable. Good. Yeah, you can't yeah. be comfortable. you got to constantly push yourself. Right. Yeah. And that's a coach's responsibility as much as the parents, right? right? It's almost very in parallel. Yeah, but nowadays, too, the parents are a little bit too aggressive wanting their sons and children to be athletes. So you got to let those kids play into the game, learn the game, and learn what it takes to stay in the game without the parent pushing, pushing, pushing. They push too much. And the other thing I think that happens a lot is there's too much AAUs going around. It's too much basketball playing for these kids. If you would notice, when a lot of these kids get to from college to the NBA level, they all have, but they have surgeries. Like, look at Zion Williams, for example. They happen to get to that point and their body break down. That's because of so much wear and tear as a kid coming through, playing so many hours and hours of basketball and football. And I think that we as parents need to back off our kids a little bit, take them out of so many tournaments so much, strengthen them, you know, by working out the way they eat and stuff like that. And it's okay for them to leave college or whatever and go to the league, but so much wear and tear is what's tearing their bodies down. And you see it a lot today where a lot of the, the rookies are hurt in the first year. They don't even get to play the first year. They're out for the whole first year. And how did you avoid that? Well, I think it's, like I say, the wear and tear from all of those years. you got to no, cut back But you on avoided it. it with, I'm saying well, specifically, Dwayne, yeah. Well, Dwayne, he played AAU, but he didn't play as much as these kids are playing today. Okay. Was that conscious? Did you monitor that or it just worked out that way? It just was a different philosophy. It worked out that way, but I watched it flourish and I watched it come about. So now you would advise parents. I would advise parents. Hey, you don't just take every single game and every opportunity you can. You got to balance it or you're going to do damage. Right. And a lot of these kids, they don't know that they're not going to be athletes. And everybody wants to be an athlete, but it's so many millions of kids that's not going to be athletes. So we have to mentor these kids and teach them how to network with people that's going to be like them, that's going to be lawyers, doctors, trainers, and things like that. We can't constantly push them to that sport because that might not be what they're here to do. Exactly. The 1% Profoundly that make true. it to the professional leagues. But besides that, the importance, I think, that it gives to the kids being on a team sport, the camaraderie, and also the focus and having – I'd much rather see my son wanting to go out on the basketball court and doing that than playing video games. You know what I mean? Right. No doubt. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that helps so much along the way. 
but there's so many building their character. There's so many smart kids today. Computers and social media has brought kids a long way. It's hard to say exactly what we should push them to do. But for me, I think that we ought to let these kids. Well, I was one of those dads that pushed my son and said, this is what you're going to do. And when you get to be 18 and out of my house, you can change if you want to. But while you're in my house and I'm paying the bills, you're going to do what I say do. But parents are not like that today. A lot of the parents say, I'm going to let my kid do what he want to do. If he want to play sports, that's what they do. But. I'm still old school, and I think that we should push our kids in the direction that they need to go. They need help. They don't know what they're getting into. So you specifically honed Dwayne up until the time he goes to college. He's a basketball player. Yeah. That's that's it. That's your profession. That's what you do. That's what you're going to do. You don't want to be one when you get to college, then don't be a basketball player. But up until now, you're a basketball player. That's right. Amazing. Wow, that's focus and commitment. I don't see that very often in a lot of parents. I really don't. I see what you're talking about in the fact that parents today are just kind of, you're wearing a shirt today, says way different. I think a lot of parents are indifferent and they really look at their kid and just almost leave it to the kid to decide. But the fact is the kid's not, in a lot of cases, can't decide. Yeah, They're not ready to decide. And if they do decide, then how do they get the focus and the regiment and the discipline that you taught your kids. They don't. And I think that's the differentiating factors. Yeah. You defined it for them, and then you gave them a game plan that they needed to follow within that definition. Right. Right. It's one thing to say, you're going to be a basketball player. It's another thing to say, and here's how we're going to do it, and you did it. Yeah, and I'm going to work as hard as you work it. I'm saying to get you to that level. I'm going to come home from work and I'm going to take off my job performance and I'm going to go in the backyard and work just as hard as you to get you to that next level. And you did it. And I did it. Discipline is everything. Dwayne Wade, what he's accomplished in sports and in his career as a professional is about as high level as you can possibly get, certainly in the sport of basketball and worldwide, right? He goes to China. He's even bigger than he is here. Yeah. So I'm talking about a literal global phenomenon. Yeah. And it all really comes from this this beginning. There's no Marquette. There's no heat. There's no global phenomenon without what you're doing right. for no, your son. It, it's, it's pretty amazing. No, you definitely – and I'm sure your son realizes that and appreciates that. And it's hard. Listen, it's very, very difficult. There is a whole different school of thought that has kind of transpired since then and way since the 80s mm-hmm. where, yeah, a lot of parents are like, oh, I just want to let the kid kind of figure out what they want to do. And I agree with you. You have to give them the guidance. I mean, it was obvious that like your son was athletic to begin with, but pointing him in that right direction. It's like there's two analogies that I always kind of say is that like, if you don't tie the boat to the dock, it's going to drift off in a, right. in a totally different direction. And I think that that is such an important you know, analogy to realize with your kids, because you have that rope, kind of give them a little bit of freedom to kind of float back and forth there, but do not let them go too far out. And I think that you have to recognize the talents in the kids yeah. and you can flourish it. Yeah, and Dwayne wasn't that great of an athlete coming up. Really, wow. he was a little bit lackadaisy when it came to sport to me. He worked on his craft and became that athlete that you wanted to see. He wasn't that athlete at first. I can tell you, he used to jump That's like— amazing. He couldn't even jump over a quarter at one point. Wow. He was that lazy at getting off the ground. So it took him a long time to learn to dunk. 
And when he did get it, then you could see his athletic ability starting to connect. Right there, that kind of says it all right there. I mean, then that, what you did, is absolutely incredible. <laughs> it and really it is, is. It's you. It's you that persevered and had that ability to push him through and to have the wherewithal to know where to go. You can be a good athlete, but you got to have that support system behind you. Right. And I guarantee your son knows and thanks you every single day for doing what you did because the life that he leads now is 100% attributed to you and what you did. It's true. I mean, he had to do the work, but at yeah. that age, you need the guidance. And thank God he respected you and you imparted respect and camaraderie, if you will, in a way, however you got it, even if part of it was by fear and leading. Right. Regardless, it was done in such a great way because it worked. Yeah, it did. Right? And when you look at your son as a community leader now, like yourself, like you guys are both community leaders, you still see that come through, right? So there's a lot of guys get successful in a sport and they kind of never look back. Right. And it just becomes about them. But you and your son have continued to do amazing things. So I want to transition into that because we know and most people know they follow Dwayne Wade's career. So we all know that side of it. But but this is about you. Now we understand what you did for your son. He becomes Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat star and NBA superstar. Now your career, you take what you started to do in 82, mm-hmm. where the us and them and the, all the raising of, of just children's awareness and parents' awareness of staying away from bad things like gangs. Now it, on another level. Right, because your career has flourished as well. So right. let's take D Wade Sr. and let's go back. You and I have been close friends for ten years. Yeah. And I know you were doing charity. Obviously now I know back to eighty two, but but even the kind of organized charity that you and I have done together in the last ten years and before that, bring us up to speed. Like what's life look like now? What are you doing with your charitable initiatives? And I know you have a show. You've had multiple shows. Share with everybody what's happening. <laughs> As you know, Dave, uh, Pro Pop is my heart, the Pro Pops Foundation. Every year of Father's Day. Every year of Father's but get, Day. But a lot of people don't know, so get, right. go the deep end. Every year on Father's Day, we do a four-day weekend, which consists of four sports, probably soccer, baseball, basketball, and football. I think the most important part about the organization is going back to our roots from 1982, we try to mentor these kids to let them know that everybody's not going to be an athlete. So we educate them by adding four classrooms as well to it so that we can bring in the lawyers, the doctors, the David Franzonis. Thank you. An and, honor to be a part of it, I might Yeah, add. to uh, educate them about what it took for you to get to where you were at and why you chose the field you're in. And these kids need that. Not only do they need that, but when I go into these schools and I assemble all these kids together in an auditorium, get like nine out of every 10 kids doesn't have a father at home. And it's surprising. Nine out of 10? Nine out of 10. And it's surprising to see that number. I understand that number because I didn't have a father at home when I was growing up either. Maybe that's why I was going through the struggles I was going through because there was nobody to support me. But you became such an amazing father yourself without the model of having a father to look up to, so to speak. Would that be fair? That's fair. And then you went to the military and came back and applied this leadership philosophy of – hey, I see now what I was missing and what's needed, so I'm going to bring it to my own family, and now you're bringing it to thousands of other kids. Yeah. That was the key, was to get other kids that didn't have fathers in their life 
to uh, reconnect with them. So that's where Pro Pops came from. It's about bringing father and children back together. And just recently, uh, in 2017, I think we received uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award for that, for having a hand in reconnecting over 100,000 families back together. 100,000. Yeah, and doing that just in the schools, you know, going inside the schools, assembling the kids, trying to find out which kids doesn't have two parents in the household. And that's how it worked. It worked out that way. And uh, we tried to do a bullying class. But the bullying class wasn't perceived by the school district the way we thought it would, and you know, to stop bullying. And that would have been another avenue to get the kids to understand that, you know, we have to graduate. A lot of the kids are dropping out, and they need to graduate. They need to be more smarter. And I think one of the, the problems that is because they took all the, the classes like woodshop, mechanic, they took those classes away, printing and all of that. We used to have that. They don't have that. A lot of music They don't have those too. avenues no more. The music, too. Yeah, they the took them out. The band programs and all these things are yeah. huge. We almost took them for granted as kids. Right. We only knew in the schools that arts, cooking, photography. Back then, we'd have to go into a dark room and develop film. Yeah. I loved my photography class, all of these different things. And, uh, of course, music. I was in every band that junior high school and high school offered, even elementary school. We need to do something about it. There's no doubt about it because that void will get filled by things far less healthy than what we're describing. It's, it could be as bad as the streets or it could just be unhealthy habits, I'll call them, like extensive video game playing and yeah. things that you're not going to get arrested for or hurt somebody necessarily, but you're not helping yourself. Right. So these are all unhealthy outlets at different extremes. And uh, if you can have a child in those formative years finding inspiration and finding their passion in their lane, doing things such as photography, cooking, music, sports, right. it's huge. That's yeah. why I love doing the Pro Pops weekend. Right. When I'm standing in front of these children, I had in my family growing up, it's just my brother and me and my mom and dad, four-person family, always felt like and was a small family, right. but a very tight family. And my mom and dad were together for 48 years, and the only wow. thing that broke them up was my dad died mm-hmm. uh, in 96. And then eight years later, my mom passed. But we were all very, very close, especially my mom and me. But my dad was always there. And I saw the first Pro Pops I did with you. I saw what you're describing where there was a lot of need for mentoring and guidance. Yes. That these kids, they need it. You don't realize as a kid how huge it is. It's not until years later that someone either helped you out or you had a dad present or you went through a lot of bad stuff to kind of figure it out. However it happened, it won't be till later that the child realizes the importance Mm -hmm. and you're giving it to them before they even know they need it. Right. It's a true blessing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so what's the future look like? You're going to keep doing Pro Pops, of course. Yeah, Pro Pops uh, in Miami is just made 13 years. Congrats. One of the things I love about Pro Pops Weekend is not only the sports and the educational classes, but we do a Father's Day baseball game, and we do a nine-inning baseball game. You know, I played baseball. Right. So right. It was your sport. Yeah, it was my sport. Yeah, and so we still do that today, and we always encourage people to come out and be a part of that because that's something special to us on Father's Day every year. But um, the outlook now, we've started the podcast way different. 
It's in his second year. Actually, it's going to go into his third year now. Congrats. And, and it nice. seems like yesterday we started. <laughs> I can't believe. Seriously? Yeah, I know. I, it just feels years. literally like yesterday to me, too. Because wow. yeah. I remember when you told me you were doing it, you had take a stand before that. Yeah, I had take a stand. And then you went, you transitioned into way different. Now you're going to be going in your third year. Third year. So where do people find way different? We're on YouTube and uh, we're looking to take it to uh, different heights because, you know, podcasting and you're into it now. So now they have an award for podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So get ready. Oh, you boy. might be cast into that getting an award for podcast. Oh, that's wow. big. I just now. hope people like what we're doing. All that other stuff will come next. But yeah, yeah that's amazing. So way different on YouTube. Yeah. Way different. W A D E different. Yeah. Well, it's one word W A D E D I F F E R E N T. Okay. Cool. So one that's how word. people can find you. Right. Now you're also. Word. You have your show. You have Pro Pops. Yeah. Are you bringing Pro Pops to other cities? We are already connected in 12 cities. We've done as many as 12 cities with So Pro Miami's Pops. the home base. Miami's home. But now. it's in 12 other cities. Yeah. It's nice. been connected with 12 cities. We did my documentary. Last year, All-Star Weekend, we did the documentary. And we wanted to produce it and release it this year, All-Star Weekend. But my son is releasing his documentary, so I don't want to step on his toe. Okay. So I pushed mine back. All right. So when does your son's documentary come out? It comes out out All-Star Weekend. So February. Yeah, February. And it's in Chicago because All-Star Weekend is in Chicago. Amazing. And where do we see his documentary? I'm not sure. Okay, so we'll figure it out. I'm sure there won't be any secret as to where to find it. So so D-Wade Jr.'s documentary is coming out, and then you're going to later in 2020. Right. So February 2020, D-Wade Jr., then later in 2020, D-Wade Sr., your documentary will come out. Yeah, I don't know if I should release this on here or not, but I'm actually not only doing the documentary, because the documentary is pretty much like 90% done. Uh, we just had to shoot some some steel pictures in Chicago, and we was going to do that right before All-Star Weekend. I'm actually up for a doctor's degree in humanitarian. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so wow, we're going to well move. deserved. We was going to do that, actually, All-Star Weekend, too, but we're going to move it back to, like, April because they're coming to Miami and present it. So that's going to be crazy, too. So, wow. And, but I think Congrats. one of the, the major things that I'm getting ready for now is uh, I'm going back to school. And I'm trying my hand. You're literally going back to school. Yeah, in January, I go back to school. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm attending FIU. Okay. And I'm going into some acting classes and uh, trying to produce. I'm getting ready to produce a movie about my life. Nice. Besides uh, the documentary. Besides the documentary. Okay, so a movie as opposed to a documentary. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Well, that'll be great. I'd love to see that, man. You'll be amazing at that. I have the honor and privilege of calling D. Wade Sr., our guest today, a very close friend, and uh, for 10 years in that time and during that journey, I've learned a lot from you. And now everyone understands why when you meet extraordinary people, it's nice to get inside and learn a little bit about what makes them extraordinary because it's our actions and our belief system put into actions that creates the extraordinary, right? It's words alone will only get you so far and they're important, but it's the actions that really take it to the finish line and create the heroes that we have and the inspirations that we have. You and your son fall into that category. You guys are heroes and inspirations. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, and I want you to here. know, and I want the audience to know too, uh, if you can attend All-Star Weekend, if you've never attended All-Star Weekend, it's not always about going to the All-Star game, the dunk contest. It's about 
connecting with the people around the All-Star Weekend. We're doing an All-Star Weekend in Chicago, my hometown. And uh, what I've assembled for the Wade family, since my son is out the league now, I get a chance to, to do some things. I assembled a program, a facade program, in Chicago All-Star Weekend, where we call it a prayer breakfast. Okay. And we're going to donate, well, we're going to refurbish small businesses in Chicago. Okay. So it's a prayer breakfast that's going to be a part of the facade program that gives back to the city of Chicago. So During that Doing All-Star Weekend. Okay. Yeah, awesome. and then, of course, you know, I'm so a part. So which day? Which day? So the first day the is— The game's uh, on a Sunday, right? Yeah, we don't, you know, you always have to do your stuff before they do theirs. So right, right. it's Thursday, the first day of All-Star Weekend. Oh, okay, fantastic. Uh, Thursday, the February 13th. We're okay. doing a prayer breakfast from 8.30 to uh, 11 o'clock. At 19 East in Chicago, Illinois. And then I actually have a couple of more things on Banner, too. I'm a part of the Fathers and Men of Professional Basketball Players, so we're actually doing an event in my hometown, Robbins, Illinois. That's going to be amazing. We have the WNBA, the NBA players, of course, the fathers, and a host of mayors that's going to be a part of that. So I'm looking forward to an absolutely beautiful All-Star Weekend in Chicago. So come out, be a part of All-Star Weekend, and don't worry about going to the game so much, but come out and see what else is going on around those games. Because it's truly beneficial to everyone. Yes, it you know, is. You're doing some great things, and, and you're right. Those are the events and the moments yeah. that make the NBA great for everyone because it's bigger than just that game. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I hope everyone hears that and takes note. Listen back. Take note of when and where this podcast will be airing prior to the game. So I'm David Frangioni. We're here with Justin Lee on Life, L-I-F-E, Luxury and Full Effect. Our guest today is D. Wade Sr., Dwayne Wade Sr., thank you so much for being here today, and thank you. It's been great having you on, and can't wait for Pro Pops 2020 in June in Miami and all the amazing things that you have going on and checking out your documentary and Wade Different on YouTube. Thanks for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's been a blessed knowing you, man. Thank you. All right, everybody, until next time. Thank you for listening. Head on over to luxuryandfulleffect.com. To join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover more content. Until next time.